Welcome to 52 Episodes to Science Fiction Film Literacy. My name is Chris Garcia. Roll sound. For this next film, I need to talk about postmodernism. And the film is, I believe, the only Greek entry on the entire thing. A Morning Patrol by Nikolaidis Nikos. I think that's how it's pronounced. I have no idea, honestly. I've never heard it said. But I came across this movie back in the mid to late 90s. And at that point, I was on a huge postmodernist kick because of, well, three things. One, I had just started to encounter the works of David Sally. I have always been a huge David Lynch geek and was really getting into sort of the artistic analysis of Twin Peaks and in particular Blue Velvet. And I sort of got into reading about what postmodernist analysis was, particularly in art and movies, and I've absolutely rejected it. I don't buy it. And I took that collective reality, rejected it, and inserted my own. And this will annoy some, but it's for a good reason. My version of postmodernism is very simple. It is work in a modernist tone, that's key actually, that is specifically aware of itself. And so there are some issues that arise from this, of course. One is people who do things like Titian painting, Titian-style paintings of modern street gangs, for example. And I place that firmly in a different realm than I do from what I consider to be postmodernist. Because to me, what postmodernism is, it's not so much a movement as it is a milieu. It is a setting in which arts are placed. So if a great example of this is something like C-Lab, C-Lab 2021, which starting right off the bat is a repurposing of known characters from the original C-Lab cartoon. And they are aware, in a sense, of this existence. And there are elements of so many different types of modernist art. There's absurdism, for sure, all over the place. Episodes end with the entire lab blowing up many times. Uh, the same thing could be said of South Park. Hyper-aware that there is both our world and their world, but also elements of all sorts of different things mashing together. And the fact that Kenny dies over and over again is obviously absurdist. Surrealist may actually apply there. But then they do something that I consider to be ultimate postmodernist, is they justify it in the universe because they know it doesn't make sense. So my version of postmodernism is a bit skewed. That's why I don't do a lot of analytical writing, is because I refuse to accept the 
analytical forms that other people do because they just don't make sense to me. Morning Patrol is a very, very, very smart film. And Nikos is a great filmmaker. If you're watching this, you'll see elements of so much of what was going on in the mainstream of European film at that time. Danish influence, in particular the way it is shot. Uh, French influence, obviously, all over the place on this one. And if you watch this and say Subway, the Christopher Lambert film, and the look is very similar, and the post-apocalyptic idea that's going on here is phenomenally interesting. It's about a woman who is trying to pass through the Forbidden Zone, and it's deathly quiet everywhere, except for the sound coming from a movie theater. And when you think of all the troubles that Greece has been through in the 19th and 20th centuries, and you look at the ways in which modern media culture has moved past troubles. And this, this story to me, though it was done, you know, more than 20 years before, this is the story of the Arab Spring. This is the world has come crashing down, but the media, the culture that has grown up in the case of Morning Patrol, it's film. In the case of the Arab Spring, it's social media and the arts associated with it and have flourished and are the one thing moving out through this wasteland. And you can see that during all sorts of periods of history of the 20th century, for sure, there was always film. No matter how bad things were, film was there. During World War II, in both Europe and the U.S., film survived and in some places thrived as a form of self-expression, as a form of arts, as a form of propaganda. There was always messages being sent out through the world of film. The movie moves incredibly, incredibly well, but what really pushes it over the top for me is it's how it adapts existing dialogue and text from authors, including Philip K. Dick. There's a comedy sports game we used to play, a scene on book, in which one character could only say lying, or sometimes it was two, and I think even at one point it was all but one character, would be on a play or a novel or something and could only read the words on that. And the other ones had to justify those words happening. And that sort of happens here. Their choice of novelists, the only ones who I've read extensively is Dick. The others, a couple are Europeans, I'm not as familiar with. I do know one of them is a well-known apocalyptic author. And so there's this sort of it's taking existing material and presenting it in this universe as natural occurrence. In other words, this film is aware of what has come before it and is presenting that. And to me, that's an utterly postmodernist view. Now, it's a surrealistic film, and it can be difficult to attach to. And it's not surrealist in the sense of Ancien Andalou or even some of the wackier films like The Life and Death of Nine, Nine 
413, a Hollywood extra, or the or the film with Robert Flory, or any of those. It's surrealist in that it is presenting a world that is not only not our own, but could be our own. It has taken elements of our reality enough that we would recognize this world, but at the same time is very pointedly not our world. And that's what something like a film like Batman by uh, Tim Burton does. That's what Twin Peaks does. But here it's ramped up to another level. There is a great scene, actually shown during one of the trailers, of our main character sitting watching a movie and slowly being advanced on from behind. And then later you see uh, that the projectionist must be dead because the film is spilling out, the film reel is spilling film onto him. And this is actually a very pointed part of media criticism as far as I'm concerned. She's too busy, too deeply engrossed in the culture, in the film, to notice what's coming up the back to attack her. If you want to find a 20th century metaphor, that's it. Replace film with television and you've got 40 years worth of American critical dialogue. This is a wonderful film and one that you really should make a chance to chance to go see. It's not super widely available. You can find it, but it's not easy. But it's worth it. We're going to start moving towards the 1990s the next couple of episodes. We've got The Rocketeer coming up. Might be a little bit of wiggle room. I was going to do the Japanese film Lensman, but I think we're going to skip that one. We might do a special, I might do a special blog post about it. But I think we're going to sort of jump into the meat of the 90s so that we can show the flow over longer periods of time of how science fiction film started to experiment in different arenas and how it was often rejected. So stay tuned. <laughs>